Thanks for listening to Final Tribal. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now back to the show. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Survivor Encore. I'm your host, Cody, and I'm here with this season's guest host, Lauren, and our very special guest today, Tina Wesson, the winner of Survivor Australia. Uh, We're super excited to have you here, Tina. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I couldn't think of a better person to have from the season than you. Well, how fun. It goes way back a long time ago. Absolutely. So we started, so our show, we started doing a Survivor rewatch, a complete rewatch from season one. We're going to go all the way to season 40, cover every season, try to talk to as many castaways as we can. Um, So, and you're our first castaway that has come to talk to us other than Russell, obviously, because we're on his YouTube channel, but uh, you're the first one that's come to uh, talk to us. So I really appreciate you taking the time out to come and be with us today. Well, you are welcome. Thank you guys for being fans of the show, because if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't still have Survivor on. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, So just to get us started, just to kind of get our conversation started a little bit, uh, leading up to Survivor, before you decided that you were going to apply and be on the show for Survivor, um, had you watched season one already when, when the process had started? I did watch the first one and I just loved it. And so you were, you were quite an athlete and and maybe you still are, Uh, you know, you did a lot of triathlons and you were big into racquetball, you were a nurse. So you're very athletic. You were very well educated. So it's very clear why they would want you to be on the show. Um, What was that feeling when you finally got the call? Because if I remember correctly, originally, you were cast as an alternate and then they had called you back like a week or so before filming to tell you that you were in. So what was that feeling like before, before you finally got the call that you were going to be on the show? Okay. So first of all, it was my husband's idea for me to sign up for survivor because like I'm kind of shy in front of crowds like I would never in a million years think to do anything on television. And so he was like, this show is so you, you have to try out for it. So I'm like, okay, but I'm thinking, you know, it's a free camping trip to Australia. I'm not thinking, oh, I might be on a television show. I'm just thinking adventure. So that's first thing. That's the only reason why I even sent in a videotape. And so, and I'm thinking there is no way they would pick me because I say I'm so extraordinarily ordinary. There's really nothing uh, noteworthy about me. You know, like the survivors now, they're such big characters. Russell is such a character. Tony, you know, who won the last survivor, such a character. And I, I'm just not. And so I just did not think that they would ever pick me. So I am very much, I love to set goals for myself. So I thought, 
Well, if I could just make it to the final interview process in LA, it's a free two week trip to LA. So that's what I set as my goal. So I make it to LA and they keep kind of whittling down the contestants as we're there. And so I make it to the last, oh gosh, I think maybe like the last 20 or something along those lines. And so by now I've made it to LA. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm close. So now of course I've got my heart set on hopefully making the final cut. And so they send everybody home and I get a phone call that says, oh, we're sorry. You didn't make it. We've chosen another girl from the Midwest. And I'm like, okay. And I was so sad. And my husband was so sweet and he was like, Tina, there's no way that they wouldn't pick you for this. They'll call you back. And I'm like, why would they call me and tell me that I didn't make it to call me back and tell me that I did. So this went on for, like I said, like he'd call me every day. Have they called yet? Have they called? And I'm like, no, but it's like a scab and you keep ripping it off. Can we move on? And Sure enough, um, the girl that they had picked in my place, we were supposed to skydive into Australia and she had some reservations about skydiving mm -hmm. and she had a couple kids and was worried about leaving her kids. So she said, well, let me think about it. And Mark Burnett said, I don't want anyone who has to think about it. Call Tina. <laughs> that's how I got on the show. That's beautiful. And I think Lauren has a question related to that actually. Yeah, so I actually did hear that you guys were supposed to indeed skydive. So what happened? Why did it? you guys not end up doing that? Um, so it's funny because some people had already gone to jump school and had started their skydiving process. And then apparently, I don't know if it was Les Moonves or somebody at CBS was talking about the liability of if something happened. And so they scrapped that idea at the last moment. So did you have to go, did you do the skydiving school or were you one of the people that hadn't done it yet? I was one of those that hadn't done it yet, but after it was over, I got to skydive with the Golden Knight. So woohoo, that was exciting. <laughs> that is really exciting. That's one of the things that I love about Survivor. When you talk about that you were excited to be on because of the adventure that it provided, it really, like, think about all the experiences that people have when they get to be on the show and things that are really like once in a lifetime, like skydiving into Australia, you know, which unfortunately you didn't end up being able to do, but you still got the skydiving experience afterwards. So that's, yeah. that's amazing. Yes. And so many things like even like, you know, on the second season, when um, I was voted out first, they sent us to Patagonia, Argentina. And we got to go on a three-day rafting trip through Chile. And then we went hut to hut through the mountains in the snow with ropes and pulling up these snow-capped mountains and three-day horseback riding trips and scuba diving. And there's just, it's, it's just the epitome of adventure. It's so fun for those of us who love it. That is absolutely Amazing. And you guys got some neat tokens on your season. We uh, So we're getting ready to, we've been rewatching season two of Survivor. And uh, on Wednesday, we'll be discussing episodes seven and eight. And so Lauren and I both watch those to prepare 
for our next episode where we're discussing them. And I noticed that in one of the challenges, you guys did a boomerang challenge. And uh, everybody gets to bring home two boomerangs, like authentic boomerangs from Australia. I thought that was really neat. It really is neat. And they actually gave us boomerangs to practice with. And whenever we were practicing, my every single one of my throws would come back to me. And everybody knew we were going to go into that challenge and I was going to win because for some reason I happened to be good at it. And then we got out there and I didn't win and it was awful. So, <laughs> ah, curses. Isn't that the way that it always works out too? It seems to, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, that would have been a challenge you would have wanted to win too because it was a great reward. I know, right? Yeah, a beautiful meal. Oh, oh. Terrible. Uh, so one of the controversies on your season happened really early in the season with Kel. And it was around the suspicion that Kel had smuggled in some beef jerky. And I actually intended to have a prop for this question tonight. I've been <laughs> asking you this ever since you agreed to come on the show. Um, <laughs> so there's suspicion around Kel possibly uh, smuggling in some beef jerky. Did you guys ever get to the bottom of whether or not it was really beef jerky and, and is there any like behind the scenes stuff that we didn't see that relate to that story? Okay, yes. So here's, here's the lowdown. So apparently when Kale, cause you know, we all traveled together to Australia, but we're in like super lockdown mode. We couldn't speak to one another. They had handlers there on the plane, making sure that we didn't, uh, mingle or anything because they didn't want any pregame alliances. So apparently, Kale was caught at the airport with beef jerky because you can't bring, you know, food in. And we later learned that um, the military, they're taught to sew it in beef jerky into the hem of their pants just what? in case. And the day that we were supposed to board the plane to go on location to our camp, um, Kale, we noticed he had an extra pair of shoes tied to his bags because we were given very specific instructions on what we could and could not pack. And so somebody's like, hey, Kale's got extra pair of shoes on his pack. So then they made him empty out his backpack and there were some extra items in his back, not beef jerky though. And so we already were very suspicious of Kale. And like he had a razor and he's like, well, the military said the only reason or the only way I can go on the show is if I'm always clean shaven. So he was just a little sketchy from the start. So Jerry swears up and down that she saw him chewing on it. So do we know for sure? No. But do we know sketch Kale was sketchy? Yes. <laughs> so that's There's definite definite <laughs> cause for question there, it sounds like. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I know you mentioned too, because you you were one of the people that went through Kel's bag and I, you can tell on the show you weren't completely comfortable with it. So it kind we of. Don't judge you for it. We don't judge you for it. 
We don't, yeah, we don't judge you for it. But you didn't look completely comfortable, which kind of leads me to my question of, do you think in Survivor people should be able to go through other people's bags? No, yes, no, yes. <laughs> you know, when I see other people, um, I have mixed feelings about it. I always say that Survivor, um, you do things on there that you would never in a million years do in real life. But, you know, like some people will say, I'm a product of editing. I'm really not that way. I'm a product of editing. Well, they don't really make somebody out to be people that they're not. Like if you're really super lazy, they're going to show you being lazy. They really wouldn't show someone who's always out there hustling. They're not going to show them being a lazy person. So, um, it, 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 you're not a product of editing, but you do things that you wouldn't normally do. So, you know, I'm kind of, you all know, old school survivor. So I'd like to think that old school to me means that it's very hard for me to just let go of who I am as a person and just be a player and just play all out, lie, go through a bag and steal an idol or whatever. You know, I still have such a hard time being a new school player. So if you're, if you're a good player, then yes, it's probably okay. But if you're old school like me, it's still just, I, it's, I don't know. I just can't do it. I can't break the mode. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so embarrassed by that too, by the way. I mean, it's like the worst thing ever. Which is funny because as a fan of Survivor and, you know, I've, I've seen all 40 seasons previously. So when I go back to watch it, maybe it's because I'm a more modern fan. Like, um, I think I started watching Survivor around season 17 and then I was hooked. So I went back and watched it from the beginning at that point. And uh, so for me, seeing that style of gameplay, it's like, yeah, that's how you play Survivor. That's how, you know, that happens all the time. So uh, don't. Don't be embarrassed by it. I think it makes you kind of a pioneer of the game. And, uh, you know, you're one of the first people to take that step and, and stand up for your, your tribe and your alliance and, and sort out the wrongs that were going on. Uh, you know, if I ever go back and play again, I'd like to be able to kind of shed that skin of old school player. It would be the hardest thing for me to do. But at the same time, I know that's what it now takes to play the game. And mm -hmm. so I'd like to give myself permission to be that person for 32 days. Yeah. Or 36 or, days. Or 39 days, hopefully. Or, 30, <laughs> or 42 like mine. <laughs> well, yeah, so we obviously saw you return for Blood versus Water, which is considered new school survivor. What do you think was the biggest adjustment from playing old school and then in turn having to go beyond the blood versus water season? Oh, wow. That's a very good question. Um, you know, what's funny, Lauren, is that um, it felt the same in that, you know, the hardship, the elements, the starvation, 
the aspect of that. Um, and yes, I was still trying to play old school in that I was trying to find people that I could align with. <laughs> and um, I knew I could not trust Tyson, <laughs> but I'm in this alliance. And if I had, I had thought about trying to do an all-girl alliance at one point because Laura, uh, Rupert's wife, and the other Laura, we kind of got along pretty well. So there was that one side of me that thought I'd like to break my alliance because I'm in this thing with Tyson that I don't want to be in. But Aris kept saying, oh, you can trust him. You can trust him. You know, and so I just went with that and so now i think tina you ought to trust your gut feeling whenever you feel that again and and just trust myself more i guess but blood versus water was a lot more fun because katie was there and yeah. so even though it's hard to play the game it was so much more fun than I've ever had playing just because she was there. Yeah, I definitely think that I can see how that would add an extra fun element, having somebody that you know that you can trust yes. with you out on the island, even though you guys might have been separated at the beginning. Um, yeah, having that extra element, I can see how that would change the game for you a little bit. Um, and something that you just mentioned, also you said, you know, if you ever play Survivor again, were you ever contacted about uh, playing on season 40? I was, and my heart, I mean, I've always said, you know, I so much want to play in an all winners season. And I actually thought that that would probably be the last season would be an all winner season. And so they did call and they said, you know, would you be interested in going back? And I'm like, oh yeah, of course. And so um, then they called me back and said, oh, sorry, you know, we don't need you this season. And oh my gosh, killed me, absolutely killed me. But I think what happened was they were waiting to see if Amber was going to um, say she could play. And so once Amber said she could play, of course, that makes for a lot better TV to have Amber and Rob than have Granny Tina. So, <laughs> so that's what happened there. But then I was like, well, I'm kind of glad it happened that way a little bit because you know they voted all the old school players out first and so it would have been like going for nothing really you know right yeah definitely i i was so bummed though when you were on the cast because i really wanted to see you play again because i think that you have a really good strategy whenever you play in survivor so i honestly think that you would have done quite well on the season well thank you thank you i appreciate that but I don't know. I mean, I, it's very frustrating to play in a season like um, All-Star. Before I went out to play, I told Mark Burnett, I said, you know, they're just going to vote all the winners out first. So unless you put all the winners on the same tribe, they're just going to vote us out one by one, which is what happened. So it's really hard to go out there and play whenever you feel like there's nothing I can do. You know, it's like the playing field is field is not level. 
And we just had somebody uh, just put in the chat. I kind of opened up for the folks that are watching us live on YouTube uh, to ask us some questions. And somebody, uh, Robbie Siliker, who has actually co-hosted the show with me in the past, uh, asked, uh, did it bother you when Amber said that she wasn't there to win? She was just out there to make it easier for Rob under the speculation that you were possibly booted from the cast so that because she agreed to play. Oh, wow. Um, you know what? I really love that players get another opportunity to play because I know how it feels to be out there and to have that opportunity. So the only people that I have resented being out there are the people who quit. Mm -hmm. And that bugs me. That really, really bugs me. <laughs> um, but no, I didn't resent. I was glad, you know, Amber's a mom, I think of four kids. And I can remember being a mom of young kids and just to get out of the house is just relief. <laughs> and so I was glad that, you know, at her age, because I think she is my age that I was when I first went out. So I, I really love the fact that she was out there and getting to have this adventure and her and Rob were getting to share it together, kind of like Katie and I did. So I was happy for her. Yeah, it was a beautiful. And there was a lot of beautiful moments in that season, too, especially when they're like their children all got to come out for the family visit. Yes, uh, that was that got me in the feels for sure. That was it was a beautiful episode. Yeah, and they're so popular, you know, they're kind of like a dynamic couple. So I'm, I'm glad, you know, for CBS and Survivor and for its fans that they got to see Rob and Amber, Amber together. Amber. <laughs> <laughs> Rob and Amber. Well, so you actually in Blood versus Water experienced Redemption Island. So on season 40, they brought back Edge of Extinction. Do you think with your experience from Redemption Island that would have helped you survive pretty well on the Edge of Extinction Island had you played season 40? You know, I I like being kind of away from the game and being, if I was there at Redemption Island by myself, I would have been fine. I, I like that aspect. Um, it would have been hard being stuck there um, and not really feeling like the only chance would be, you know, that last challenge to get back in the game. I would have never pulled a Sandra. I was disappointed in Sandra, even though I understand why she did what she did. She still has an obligation to her fans and you just never give up. You know, anything can happen in this crate. She should know anything can happen. So, um, I wish that she had stayed and I certainly would have stayed all the way through. Um, but if I had gotten back in the game, let's say I, you know, I made it all the way through, won the last challenge, got back in the game. Um, who knows what could have happened then, you know? I mean, of course you like to say, sure, I would have had a chance, but you just never know. Um, so thinking back to your time in Australia, <clears throat> What is, what's one like interesting part of your season that we didn't get to see on TV? Or maybe your favorite part, maybe something that happened, a great memory that we didn't get to see on TV. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, well, there's a couple things. Um, one is 
I'm always surprised at the production side of even now you still cannot capture you know it shows people getting thinner and thinner and we all talked about how much weight we lost you know oh you know the girls lose 20 pounds the boys lose 30 pounds that's a lot of weight in six weeks yeah. <laughs> you know i mean it, it's amazing and they don't really ever capture the suffering part um you know i mean like lots of times you don't sleep for ever you know i mean like you might get an hour sleep and there's no way to um capture that on television you know unless it shows you know like the big storms that come and or the camp washes away and you know it, everything seems very dramatic but there's no way to capture just the hardship of the game and how personally hard and that's why when people come out there and quit it's because they have no they have some idea going into the game but until they get into it they don't truly know what that feels like to be so cold or to be so hot or to be so hungry to never ever ever have anything but hot boiled water to drink you know and so you know it's a little bit easier now because they have more fruit and stuff where they go to um so that's the one thing is that you don't really get to see that and then the other thing in australia was just how amazing the wildlife was there with hundreds of kangaroos and wallaroos and flying foxes and dingoes and snakes everywhere i think there were like three snake bites with the uh, with the crew members no not with any of the contestants but i think uh, the crew members because there were so many snakes and so you you can't really they didn't capture that um but that's all that comes to mind right off yeah no that's a great answer i appreciate that yep that's awesome yeah thank you <laughs> Yeah, because it's just different for us because as viewers, we don't get to see all the behind the scenes and what's exactly going on, whereas you're out there living it the entire time, which brings me to one of my questions because you talked about the hunger and everything. At one point, you guys lost your rice in the water and you had to go and actually retrieve that rice. It's obviously it was pitch black at the time. How difficult was that for you to get in there, get the rice out, and how long did it actually take? Yeah. Um, so whenever Keith, Keith or Roger, Roger spotted it, right? And it was on the other side of the river. And I'm a good swimmer. I swim competitively 13 years. So I knew I could get across the river. But as you know, there's freshwater crops which we're told, we were told right off, do not put your feet down, you know, cause they're on the bottom. So anytime you're swimming, just don't step on the bottom, but more so because there were so many snakes and on the other side, the grass was really tall. So I really thought I was going to get probably bit by a snake <laughs> when I was on the other side. Um, 
So that was my biggest concern was the snakes. Um, but we were so hungry. I mean, we were so, so hungry. And it's like, to be honest, it's like, crap, I don't even care. You know, I don't care. Just, I'm going to get the rice. And if I get bit and die at this point, I just don't care. So <laughs> you kind of just lose your sense of reasoning and just do whatever it takes. Yeah. So, which kind of brings me to a question that I just thought when you mentioned getting bit by the snake and or the the threat of being bit by a snake. When you were out there, we saw in uh, you know one of the early episodes the accident that happened to Michael Scoopin with the fire. Yeah. Um, did you guys have like medical staff that was close to you, or did they were they pretty far away? Because it seemed like from the TV edit, and of course we weren't there, so we didn't get to you know witness it firsthand. But the way that it was edited on TV is it looked like it might have taken them a little bit to uh to get out to you guys when an accident occurred yep sorry i've got to get a charger oh that's fine um, yeah, you're fine <laughs> um so yes we did have medical staff but it's so that was a good thing so now whenever we're there you see medical before every challenge and after every challenge so um before, whenever I was on in Australia, we only saw medical when there was an emergency. And so uh, when Mike got evacuated, they had to call in medical. So they had to chop her in. And that was like, I'm trying to remember what they said. I think it was like 30 minutes. Wow. Wow. I'm not sure, but I think it took 30 minutes from the time that he fell in the fire till medical could get to him. Yeah, and that, that's a long time when you're suffering from the pains of a burn, for sure. Yes, and yeah. I think that, that, that might be what spurred uh, CBS changing their policy on that. Yeah, I would agree. That, that sounds like a policy-changing uh, moment, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you something. Another little interesting tidbit about that, you know, because the second season was a very popular season because number one, the first one was by the finale, it had grown in popularity so much. So, I mean, there's people flying over trying to find our location, dropping candy bars out of helicopters to try, because we were told, you know, if a plane fly, flies over, go into your shelter so that nobody could get pictures of us or anything. Wow. So um, they would throw candy bars out the helicopter to try to lure us out of our shelters. And so, um, oh, what was my point? What was I, <laughs> sorry. Um, oh crap, what was I, where was I leading with that? Sorry, senior moment. That's okay. That's okay. okay. <laughs> I have those on this show all the time. Okay, I got it. So when Mike uh, had to go to the hospital, they checked him in under an assumed name, and CBS paid for everything cash so that there was no no link. So it this so nothing would get out to the media before it actually aired and they his family did not know 
that he was not, you know, he wasn't able to call his family and be like, hey, look, you know, I'm going into surgery because I've got these third degree burns on my hand. So it, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting story, actually, that you just told about the whole the whole story you just told. But I think it's funny. Uh, I guess you don't expect the whole story about the candy bars and trying to lure you out of your shelter. That's not an aspect of Survivor that I ever would have considered up until this moment. So that was a really enlightening story. Yeah, there there were some big super fans that, you know, really were doing everything they could to try to get the scoop on the new players and where we were and all that kind of stuff. Crazy, you know, it's like hiring private detectives and just crazy things. That is absolutely crazy. <laughs> That's insane. So who was the most tempted then to, you know, potentially go and try and retrieve some of those candy bars? All of us. <laughs> Every one of us. Yeah, because we see in some of the episodes you guys talking about food for hours and hours. So I guarantee that was probably one of the hot topics. It is amazing. I mean, because, you know, we here in America, we don't know what starvation is. We have no idea what that feels like. And so that's that's one of the things that I have said. The thing I love about Survivor as an individual is that it 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 gives you an insight into things that you've never experienced so now you know i've got a reference point so if i'm cold i've been a lot colder if i'm hungry i've been a lot hungrier so everything in my life now uh, i can just reference it to something else that was so much worse <laughs> so that's really good yeah that is a wonderful thing um, so from your, from your first season from Australia, um, are, do you have some folks that you have maintained contact with throughout all these years? Some people that you're still close to? Sure. Absolutely. With all the seasons that I've played, you know, it's kind of like real life. There's going to be people that you have things in common with, or, you know, that you just bond with organically. And then there's other people that you're like, mm, not so much. <laughs> and so it's, it's the same thing with Survivor. You know, you've got every season, there's people that form not just alliances in the game, but they become lifelong friends. And um, I don't know if you all have, did you all watch um, White Collar, Blue Collar, No Collar? Yep. Yeah. Okay, yep. So it's like, I'm so envious of that season because that season, it's like every one of them are so close. They're whole cast. And so that was really, that's, that's really special. I, to me, that would be a lot more fun than having like our season where you've got like pockets of people. Absolutely. And I think it's, and maybe that would be your answer that, that white collar, blue collar, no collar season uh, somebody in the comments earlier had asked um, if you could pick one season, any season. I mean, we already know that you would have played on season 40 if you had the opportunity. But other, aside from that, if you had, could pick any other season of Survivor, um, in addition to the ones that you were casted for, which season would you most like to have been a part of? Definitely that one, white color, blue color, no color. But also, I 
uh, the season that Yule was on because I just, I would have loved to have played with him. I have a very high regard for him as a person and as a player. And I think just to get to play with him would have been an honor for me. He's probably one of the people that I respect the most in the game. Yeah, he's a very nice guy and he's very intelligent. He, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> super intelligent, you all is. Yes. Were you uh, called for any other other seasons or was it just the ones that you ended up being on? Just the ones I've been on. Okay. Which I always wonder that. Yeah, I would wonder that because so many people get phone calls for other seasons and then just nothing after that. Yeah, I know. it's And it's crazy because, um, you know, CBS, they have a product that they have to produce. It's so personal to me as a player, but to CBS, it's a production and we're just a number or a, you know, we're nothing. <laughs> and so they don't realize how hard it is for us sometimes because I know some players have, you know, put their jobs on hold or really sacrificed something because they've been asked to potentially come out and play. And so they have to fly out to California to do all the testing and get their shots and, um, potentially be a contestant only to get called and say, ah, nah, we don't need you. <laughs> and so that's really, really hard for us as players to go through that process. But it makes you realize, you know, you're really just a, you're just a number to them. Yeah, I know you touched on this a little bit earlier on about the All-Star season regarding that you thought you'd be such a big target because you were a winner and suggested that, hey, you should put all the winners on the same tribe. So knowing how big your target was going into that, was the competitor in you just saying, I got to go and play this season or what fully convinced you to go out there? I, there is nothing that would ever convince me to go out. I'm ready and willing under any circumstances to go play. <laughs> yeah, I don't need any convincing. Yeah. I don't, great I don't need any convincing either. As soon as Jeff yeah. wants to give me a call, I'm ready to I'm ready to rock my bags are packed. <laughs> <laughs> um so what was life like after Survivor? When you got done uh, season two, Survivor was still, you know, on the heels of season one, which was one of the largest uh, television reality television shows to ever be on television uh, season two pretty much just as large uh, what was what was life like for you after the game after your season aired you know I'm so incredibly fortunate because the things that happened after the season it's it it's not been repeated since I just I hit it at such a great time because all the people that endorsed the show, you know, like Reebok and Milk, we got to do commercials and um, uh, the opportunities like getting to play in the baseball all-star game with Don Mattingly and Steve Garvey and Tim McGraw and uh, you know, go to the Grammys and, and go to the Oscars and just, I was gone all but five days a month that first year. 
getting to go do all these amazingly fun things. And after our season was Survivor Africa, but 9-11 happened and, you know, that just captivated the world and, you know, the world was going through their own Survivor thing. And so Survivor never really had the kind of attention and the players have never had the same opportunities since then. So I just feel very, very lucky to have, to have won that season and got the opportunities that were allowed to, for me to have. Absolutely. Um, so I also noticed in here that you, after Survivor, you had written a book. I did. And yeah, it looks like it's a, a daily inspiration book. Yeah. Um, so that seems to be pretty exciting. What was the journey like for uh, getting your book out there and, and published? Well, I'm a manic journaler. <laughs> I've been journaling since I was young. And, you know, I don't claim to be a writer by any means. But um, I just, I, I never want to tell people how to live their lives. It's not my job to do that. But I do like to encourage people to be the absolute best versions of themselves, you know, and I believe we all have that in us. We just have to find out how to get there. And that's really what I wanted to do. I just wanted to encourage people to be good humans while they're here on the planet. I mean, what else have we got to do? You know, right. what better thing could we accomplish while we're here on earth in our earth suit than to just be a good human. So that's what it was about. Just, you know, about my life on a personal level at first, and then to kind of weave my devotion, my uh, journaling into devotions, and then just give an opportunity for you to do some self-reflecting. So that's what it was about. Yeah, I love your positivity. I think that it's <laughs> wonderful and contagious. I love it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Obviously, with you touching on that and just trying to motivate different people and everything, we easily saw that in the Australian Outback because you guys kept losing some challenges and you were always trying to uplift your tribe and bring that positive attitude with to everyone. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I think that's part of what helped me on that season is because I was 40 when I went to play. And so whenever you're my age, you realize a few things like, um, it doesn't cost me anything. Like Cody, if you were a, like a super uh, type A personality and you really had to feel like you had to be in charge, it doesn't cost me anything to let you feel like you're in charge. Mm -hmm. Now, I might not go along with what you want me to do, but I'm going to let you be the boss because I can see that's what you really need. And I can either argue with you and fight with you, or I can let you feel good about yourself and do that. So that was an advantage that I had in the game that I think ultimately helped me to win. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that that really, um, a lot of like modern survivor players get wrapped up, in my opinion, they get wrapped up in making big moves or they want to, you know, really make a big name for themselves and build a resume going into 
their final tribal council. But sometimes what they miss is the social aspect of Survivor, like you're talking about right now, uh, which which dates all the way back to the first season and and trying to uh, more so in the second season, but trying to have that good uh, that good social game going throughout. So I think that was a really great point that you just brought up. Well, thanks. And I think, you know, on the flip side of that, you can be like me and maybe have a good social part of the game, but not have a good uh, outplay part of your game. You know, like the new school players, you know, they do that masterfully. You know, it just it I'm in awe of how well that they do that. So I think maybe, you know, we all have different strengths and different weaknesses. And so that would definitely be, if I ever got to go out again, would be an area that I would have to up my game on for sure. Yeah, I think it, it's a, it has to be a good balance. Yeah. That's what you need. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up too, because obviously when you're playing Australia and then going out for blood versus water, there's idols in the game now. Oh. So was that a huge adjustment for you having to be able to be around, oh, someone could have an idol, someone might not have an idol there, could be lying to me. How hard was that? Yeah, it, it was actually pretty funny because um, on uh, not Australia, but on uh, Blood versus Water, whenever I go running off to go find an idol, because I knew where one was, I just knew because it, there's just this tree that there's no way there would not be an idol at this tree. And so Tyson uh, made everybody try to follow me so that I wouldn't go off by myself. <laughs> well, the camera crew was trying to follow us. And so I was running, running, running so fast. And I jumped down like this little cliff thing and hid and watched the camera crew and Tyson and, um, Oh, I forgot who I, uh, oh, 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 I can't remember. Somebody else. They just passed me as I was hiding down this little cliff thing. And so I go back up to the tree and I'm digging and I'm digging and I'm digging. And I, and come to find out Tyson had already found the idol that was there. We spent the entire day on a Mexican standoff and because they all came back. And so I was standing there acting like I might have found it. <laughs> and so, and I wouldn't go back to camp. But Tyson had said, well, we're not going to leave you alone. And so we stood there all day until it was time. We had to go to tribal council that night. So we were hoping to get our rice before we went to tribal council. And so I made them stay there. The camera crew, the whoever else was there. It was a, oh gosh, Caleb. It was Caleb. And um, we just stayed there all day on this Mexican standoff because of this stupid immunity idol that I didn't really find in Tyson. <laughs> but he had to stay there too, because if he didn't stay there, people would know he had it. So that was something that they didn't show. That's and that's that's a really great story. That uh, it's unfortunate that they didn't show that because that's such a masterful plan. That I that's something I wish we would have seen on TV for sure. 
Well, it would be kind of boring though, just watching these people stand by a tree all day. Yeah, yeah, I, they probably didn't make a whole episode out of it, but you know that they like to do their little time lapse cuts with the with the music in the background. I'm sure that they could have done something to at least make it funny to watch. They could do like you know when we were standing on the log for ten and a half hours. Yes. They show this Mexican standoff. You know, be oh seven hours and forty five minutes. <laughs> Yeah, and I yeah. do, I actually remember that challenge very well because I just watched that episode this morning, oh. um, getting ready for our Wednesday show. And yeah, what a crazy challenge that turned out to be when it you know comes down to, to you and Keith in the end. And uh, you kind of pass one to him to, to keep your tribe strong because, you know, because of the merge situation that you were in. Um, so of course, watching it on television, you know the episode's only forty-two minutes, so it doesn't seem like it's that long. But ten and a half hours—that is a—I <laughs> can't even express how difficult I perceive that to have been standing out there, and it appeared to be really cold outside. So, what was participating in that challenge? Um, I know that you kind of pass it to Keith out of necessity, and from the sounds of things, you're pretty persistent with it. Or you just told us in blood versus water. So I have pretty high confidence that you could have stayed up there for a little bit more. But how were you feeling at that point when you passed it off to, to Keith? Um, mixed feelings. I could, I could stay there forever. Like Jeff came out in a boat at one point because it cost production a lot of money, that challenge did. They test all these challenges before we ever do them to see about how long they could go and what to expect. And so um, this obviously, because we had a tribal council too that night. So it was brutal, brutal. So they sent Jeff out in his little rowboat. Okay, you know, what would it take to get you down? And I think Alicia said, and it was cold because it's 120 in the day but it goes down to the forties at night. And so when we went out for the challenge, we didn't have, you know, like our long sleeve shirts or anything. We were in our shorts and a little bandana, our, uh, our buff and bathing suit. It was so cold in the, there was a slight breeze. You can see the fire that they have on the water, those containers and the winds blowing. And so it wasn't the standing out there that was so terrible as much as it was just freezing cold. And so Alicia, they, it was Alicia, then Keith and me, the final three that were left. And Jeff was trying to get us down. And so like, what would it take to get you down? And Alicia said, I want hot coffee and a boat ride in because she did not want to jump in the water and swim to shore. And, uh, I think Keith said the same thing. That's what he wanted. And I told Jeff, I said, Jeff, I said, I've had two babies, you know, standing out here is nothing to me. And so they knew that I was in it for the long haul. And purposely, you know, I said, I meant it, but I also said it to let them know I'm not going anywhere. So I knew Alicia, cause all I had to do was make sure that the other tribe did not win that challenge because we had to keep Keith in. So as soon as she got down, then I felt safe to let Keith win it. But, you know, it is kind of hard 
knowing that you could win the challenge, but it wouldn't, that's one of those situations that, you know, winning personally would not have advanced me in the game. Only by letting Keith win it could I have advanced myself in the game. So I had to let him have it. So if you didn't let him have it, how much longer do you think it would have gone for? Because you and Keith looked pretty strong up there. I have no idea. I mean, neither one of us would have given up, I guess, till someone passed out and fell asleep or something. <laughs> I don't know how long the body can go. You know, that, that is one of the things that is interesting. It's fun to press your body to such limits. It's, it's interesting just to see. So there is a little side of me that would like to know how much longer I could have gone. It would be interesting to know, but I don't okay. know. You never know. <laughs> but was that the toughest challenge that you've ever done in your survivor history? Uh, probably so just from the cold aspect. I don't do cold well. My body temperature, I stay at, instead of 98.6, I usually stay about 96.7. So I'm extremely cold natured. Um, so it, like, again, it wasn't the standing on the log, it was just freezing to death. I was so cold. I would turn my back. Everybody else was on shore. And they were cold, but they had a fire going and they had their warm clothes back. So um, it was hard to just mentally stay with it. So I would turn my back and face out to the other side of the river. And I'm not at that time, you know, I'm not like this spiritual guru who can go to a mentally different place, <laughs> but I tried so hard you know, to just go somewhere deep inside of me to not be cold. And, you know, I just put the buff on as much, let it cover as much as my upper body as it could. And every now and then the wind would blow those fire and you'd get just a hint of warmth off that fire. So, you know, just embraced every one of those opportunities that I had. So it was definitely probably the hardest challenge. Yeah, yeah, it sounds it sounds difficult. And like you said, you want the opportunity to be able to test how far your body could go. So I'm sure you and Keith would have been up there a lot longer. It would have been interesting to see what would have happened if you both just stayed for as long as you could, which also leads me into my next question. If that was the toughest challenge you did, what was your favorite challenge that you ever got to participate in? man that's a hard question my favorite challenge i loved uh, the bitch cassidy jumping off that cliff into the water that was so fun that was a good one um the interesting thing about that one that they also did not show was that uh, whenever we jumped off and we had to go down and get the crate and swim it to shore when we got to shore there were little leeches all over us. And so we were picking these leeches off of us and checking to make sure they weren't in wonderful places that we didn't see. <laughs> oh, and I felt so bad for poor Roger during that challenge too, because he clearly was not, uh, he wasn't keen on swimming to begin with. And I'm sure the threat of the crocodiles in the water probably added to that. 
mad, insane respect for Roger. Afraid of heights, and it was a long way up. And the fact that he, you know, not one thing he had to overcome, but two. And I, I don't know of anybody who's done what he did. So I really have crazy respect for Roger. I would agree. A hundred percent, I would agree with that. It would be the equivalent for me. Like, I, I don't mind snakes, but I'm not a real fan of spiders. So, you know, put me in a tank of spiders, and that would probably equip, be equivalent to what Roger went through. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing what he was able to do. It was incredible. Do you know how high up it was, actually? I can't remember. Um, I don't. I don't remember. You might could find that somewhere, though. That might be yeah. a trivia question. <laughs> might I'm be sure good. Be out there somewhere. It definitely looked like it was quite. It wasn't just a small jump from the the way that it was portrayed. At least it uh, it looked like it was quite a jump to get yeah. down. So, and I can feel for Roger because I also I'll never, never tell uh, you know CBS if you're watching this cover your ears because. I won't tell CBS I'm afraid of heights because you know that they'll make sure that that's part of the season that I'm on. But uh, I am paralyzingly petrified of heights. Really? So I can totally feel for Roger in that challenge and how hard that must have been for him. But like you said, mad respect for him uh, taking the plunge anyway and doing what he had to do for his tribe. So would you do it? I would do it. I would do it. I'd get over it. I wouldn't want to be the first one over. I'd want to watch a couple people first, probably, but uh, I would do it if it came down to it. And I how would. would you make yourself do it? I mean, what what is it inside of you that would make you do it? I think just the desire mostly to not let my tribe down. I wouldn't want to be the person that didn't take that step and caused my tribe to lose out on a reward or immunity or anything like that. So it'd be me not wanting to let down my tribe mates yeah. or my team. Yeah, I, I know that feeling like eating the bugs, you know. I mean, yep. That's something I really wanted to do, and I'm not the type of person who is adventurous and tries different foods. I don't like fruits or vegetables, or I'm really picky with my food. But letting down your tribe is just, it's the worst feeling. I mean, losing is bad enough, but feeling like you've let your whole tribe down and somebody is going to be voted off because of you. Ah, talk about a stab to the heart. That was the worst moment for me. On any of my Survivor things, that's the worst moment. Even worse than being voted off, I think. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was unlucky for you. You didn't get the apple or the candy bar. Just, it <laughs> And the you know, wheel is not in your favor. The wheel is not in your favor. And this is so funny because, you know, I've, I've been a spiritual person. And so whenever, do you remember, was it a Milky Way? Is that <laughs> is a, either a Milky Way or a Snickers? I don't remember which one. Yeah. Okay. One of the two. All right. So I just knew that that was God telling me, you know, look, Tina, I've given you an out. And I just knew it was going to land on that for me. I just knew it, <laughs> but I was wrong. <laughs> I, down. I have a question about that because obviously in, in the episode and everything, 
we see Jeff spin the wheel and it always lands on a different item. Is that by design or how did that work? No, uh, because I think that they replaced the, um, and I'm not sure about that, but for some reason I'm thinking like if uh, somebody got the mangrove worm, I'm thinking that they put another one up there after that person ate it, but I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look at that. I think that you might be right because I don't remember seeing any empty spots on the wheel after people went. Okay. Yeah, so I just found that interesting that it always landed on something different. So I didn't really know how it worked if they kind of just put something in the spot, even though it already was eaten and then just kind of made it for the show. Yeah, that's a good point. And honestly, I don't remember. So, <laughs> but that's good observation there, Miss Lauren. <laughs> Um, and we had a comment earlier also that was a question uh, kind of leading us out because it looks like we're about out of time. Um, for those of us and the people watching that are eager to be cast on Survivor or want to be cast on Survivor, what is a skill that you would recommend somebody who is going to compete on Survivor uh, practice before they go out on the island? Definitely swimming. <laughs> you know, um, there's an, uh, there's a lot of water challenges. So, um, it has a huge disadvantage. You're, you're at a huge disadvantage if you're not a pretty decent swimmer. It doesn't show, um, how much it comes into play on television because, you know, they have to fit that challenge in, in a little blip, but, people who aren't really great swimmers, it puts their team at such a disadvantage. And lots of times, you know, they make up for it, you know, because there's a puzzle involved or something like that. Uh, so I would definitely say uh, work on swimming skills. I think that's a great answer. Lauren, did you have any more questions before we start to close out? No, that's that's all I have. It was a pleasure getting to talk with you, Tina. I think you gave us some great insight and in behind the scenes that a lot of people may not have heard before. Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad. And thanks for asking me to be on. It's always a pleasure to talk about Survivor. Yeah, absolutely. It was a pleasure having you on. And maybe uh, if you're available, when we come to some of your next seasons, we'll be able to have you back. Maybe Blood versus Water. Okay. I'll reach out to you again. Um, <laughs> But it has been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for coming. Um, for those of you that are watching us, if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button below. Give our video a thumbs up for our special guest, Tina Wesson. And uh, thank you all for being the best part of this Survivor Encore show. Tina, again, thank you for coming on. We loved watching you on Survivor, and I'm sure that our uh, viewers love watching you on here as well. So it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Okay, Cody, thanks a lot. I hope you guys have a great night. All right, have a good night.